Hello and welcome to the Mycot Podcast. I am your host, Sergio Delamo. Uh, I am uh, recording a very special episode today because I am joined by the uh, crew from uh, Agora Pools. Uh, who they are based, uh, I think they are full remote now, but they are um, their uh, headquarters, I think they are in uh, France. Uh, hello, uh, Benoit, how are you? Hello, hello, glad to be here. Uh, you are based in Paris, right? Or in Paris area? Yes, we have our main office uh, where the product is built in, in Paris, but uh, the company is half remote, like a semi-remote company, uh, and we have people in 14 countries, but they are mostly around sales, marketing, and support for product building. It's mainly in France that uh, it happens. We are joined also by uh, Vladimir. Uh, how are you, Vladimir? Hello. I'm oh, fine. You? Good, good. You are based in Czech, right? Yes, I'm currently in Prague. Nice. Uh, and we have Simon as well. Hello, everyone. It's good to be here. And Simon is in Poland, if I'm not mistaken. Exactly that. Toruń, Poland. And we are bringing you this podcast uh, via the magic of the internet from four different locations uh, at the same time. Uh, ben, uh, I have always been intrigued by your company. Uh, so Ben is the... Uh, co-founder and CTO of Agora, right? Yes. Uh, so it's agorapulse.com. Uh, it's uh, A-G-O-R-A-P-U-L-S-E. I will include a link in the show notes if my uh, English spelling is completely broken, which uh, could very well be. What does Agorapulse do? So we we provide a social media management solution uh, as a SaaS service. So to help brands uh, and agencies to manage uh, their social profiles, so without the tool, it's very chaotic uh, to manage your online social presence. And we do uh, connect all your profile. We organize structure, all those data, and we provide a, a nice uh, interface for you to work and handle your, your presence uh, as a team. So we, we, we are mainly aimed at uh, yeah, uh, small, uh, small and medium businesses. So I have an account. They have also, if you, anyone want to try, they have also like a free account to test the waters. I have a free account for my personal. Uh, so I don't have an Instagram account, but I use Twitter uh, I don't know if a lot, but I use Twitter some. And they uh, have like, um, so you have ever tried to schedule tweets uh, using TweetDeck? Uh, they have a very much nicer interface where you will have like a you have like a calendar view and you can like uh, schedule your tweets and you can have like an inbox. So if you want to think about the email metaphor or you have an inbox, they have like a kind of a similar thing. So if anyone wants to like... Um, it's overwhelmed my managing Twitter and uh, I understand that uh, most of us are. Uh, check them out because it's really cool and uh, I think especially if you have like a team uh, so we are facing some of these challenges uh, managing the uh, Michael Twitter account. So you have a tweet team and you have like someone that wants to write a tweet and is English not his um, mother language and you want uh, another pair of eyes to uh, essentially review those drafts. Uh, so they are like uh, uh, AgoraPulse is the kind of software that you are um, looking for. Um, so uh, Ben uh, uh, mentioned that uh, is a software as a service um, uh, which is really interesting. So they have uh, many of the channels of um, always on application, uh, monthly uh, billing. I assume you have a lot of uh, scheduled tasks given the nature of your application. Yeah, we will have around 9,000 customers and every month we have around 4,000 to 5,000 people trying uh, the product uh, for a month. So yeah, it's quite a lot of people. How big is the company now? So we are 130 employees 
So half, half of the company is in France uh, and the other so is uh, around the world. And uh, around 60 people work at uh, product engineering. Uh, and now we are 45 uh, purely at uh, the tech and engineering. And the, we, we work like classical uh, Spotify or Netflix squads uh, around tribes, around the main feature of the product. And uh, uh, I'm uh, handling a team of developer experience with experts in each part of the stack. So we have an expert for the front-end Angular. We have two experts here uh, on the back-end, uh, especially Groovy, Grails, and, and Micronaut. And we have an expert in, on the infrastructure and security. So we do help the squads uh, to, to, to get a better developer experience, to manage all the framework upgrades, to do some proof of concept, to validate some architecture, et cetera, et cetera. So that's why we work a lot with, with Micronaut on, on the back end. Wow, 130 employees, that's a lot of employees, man. Uh, a lot of uh, responsibility. How old is Agora? So the comp- is it, we launched a product uh, around 10 years ago in uh, 2011. And uh, what's the technology stack right now and what has evolved from? So the history of the, of the stack is that uh, we started, uh, the first one was Adobe called Fusion. So it's something that still exists to, nowadays. It was uh, on the GVM. Then we moved pretty quickly on to Grails. I think it was Grails 2 at that time. And then we upgraded Grails. Uh, uh, and now we are we are migrating slowly uh, to Micronaut. So from the beginning, we always be, always been uh, around the GVM uh, technologies for, for the back end. Uh, on the front end, we also are very uh, uh, on Angular. So we started with AngularJS, so we moved to Angular 2, and we upgraded. Now we are working on the latest version of Angular. So it's very a JVM, Groovy ecosystem on the back end, and an Angular ecosystem on the front end. And on the back, we are on AWS since the beginning. Uh, when they launched in 28, uh, we, we started to work with them. There are only three services, that EC2, SQS, and SES. Now they have a poof, hundred and services but for us it's uh, yeah. it's great uh, we love the AWS because it allows us, allow us to, to focus on, on uh, bringing value to our customers and all the infrastructure stuff the scaling stuff all the security we delegate to, to AWS they use a lot AWS and they contribute a lot to the community in terms of uh, plugins to use AWS services uh, so I've used for example in the past the uh, Glaze plugins uh, that you uh, open sourced uh, to work with AWS services, and I think uh, you have worked with DynamoDB from the beginning, right? For persistence. Yes, yes, we were a mix of RDS and DynamoDB, but for all the large data and synchronization, we, we put it on, on DynamoDB. They have uh, a lot of uh, micro DBS libraries. So they have libraries for things such as uh, simple email service, S3, DynamoDB. Uh, SQS, uh, SNS, and I think you are using a lot of web sockets lately as well. Yes, uh, as we speak uh, now, today we have a big release of uh, WebSocket revamp based on, on Micronaut as well. So we'll tell you more about this later on. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. So we, I want to do a, another episode about uh, AWS and have you uh, back into the show and we'll talk more into detail with about um, what your libraries uh, provide to users. Uh, and especially the uh, the DynamoDB library is really interesting because uh, you provide like this uh, repository access pattern uh, similar to um, what users may have used if they have used uh, Microdata, uh, JDBC repositories, or if they have used the Spring Data or GORM data services. So that's kind of the experience with um, interfaces with methods annotated with that query. 
So uh, if you are ready or if you are interested and you cannot wait for the episode, check them out. I will include a link in the show notes. Have you migrated completely uh, out of Grails or are you still using Grails or is Grails a Micronaut or only Micronaut now? So it's a work in progress. Every new service we start, we, we do it in Micronaut, but we still have a, a lot of legacy app uh, running on Grails, uh, especially the very heavy ones that do the synchronization with uh, the social networks. So it's a work in progress. Uh, uh, and uh, we are re-architecturing re- 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 the app as well uh, so that all our squads are fully independent without any coupling. So they will have their own backend, their own frontend, so they can release uh, as much as they want. So this is a big, big project we are working on for the last uh, uh, one year and a half. And we hope that we have uh, we will have fully migrated uh, maybe uh, in, in next year. So we'll see how it goes. But uh, yeah, the, the, the goal is to get 100% on Micronauts. That's uh, another show that I want to make with you. So I want to have a show about um, consuming micro libraries uh, from Grails, uh, challenges, benefits, things that work, things that don't. Uh, also, so I know that uh, Vladimir wrote a, a really nice uh, blog post series about migrating a fresh Grace application to Micro. I will include a link in the show notes. So there is a lot of to talk about that. But again, let's do that uh, in a different uh, episode. Uh, we have done a really long intro, and typically we do like the agenda section. So let me jump to the agenda section next. Do you have anything coming on your end that you would like to uh, tell people about? Um... No, nothing specific. We, we do uh, publish Medium article uh, when we are working on specific libraries that we launch or stuff like this. But right now, uh, the big topic is uh, our uh, live uh, real-time refactor based on Micronaut. So I, I guess we will write uh, an article about it. Uh, we do have a POC uh, on it that, uh, that was published uh, by Shimon. Uh, and maybe we will uh, make some feedback on how it goes uh, once it's fully launched on, on production. Nice. Um, so I, I will promote also so in agenda if you are uh, Agora has a nice YouTube channel if you want to learn about social media. Uh, so there are a couple of uh, really nice playlists there. I'm going to include a link in the show notes to things such as tips about the uh, use in Twitter and things like that. So if you want to improve your social media game, I will include a, a link in the show notes. I want to plug a couple of things on uh on the MyCode agenda. So we are, uh, we keep doing a uh, MyCode live each uh, Tuesday and Thursday um, at uh, twitch.tv slash MyCode FW. Uh, we are, uh, so we have created an application from scratch and we continue to build it. Um, last time, uh, at least at the time that we are recording, last time we did uh, a wire security using uh, Amazon Cognito. Are you using Amazon Cognito? No. You are not. I, I thought you may be using it because I saw that you have like a library for a simple token service. And sometimes people use that in combination with Cognito and I thought that maybe you were using that. Um, so uh, if anyone wants to uh, learn about Micronaut uh, or hang up and um, ask anything, I am uh, every Tuesday and Thursday on Twitch. And if you don't have the time, I understand. Uh, we are publishing those videos on demand on the MyCode YouTube channel, which is uh, youtube.com slash C FW as well. And uh, we have uh, two big um, training uh, events on January. So we have uh, the whole week of January the 10th until January the 15th. We have uh, four days of... Um, 
MyCode security training from Monday to Thursday, three hours uh, each day. And we have uh, on Friday, we have a MyCode testing tips and tricks uh, with where we have three hours um, where we will cover uh, things such as how to avoid beam pollution in your test, uh, how to use a MyCode test to the fullest potential. Um, now we support... Um, uh, if you are using MyCode and JUnit, we support uh, native image testing. Uh, so we'll probably show that as well. Um, so if you are interested in testing, check it out. Uh, if you join the uh, security one, I think you have um, you attend for free the testing tips and tricks. I will include uh, links to both uh, in the show notes. And um, with the agenda out of the way, let me jump to the uh, next section. Uh, for level up, which is this section where we uh, do like a small uh, tips and tricks uh, about uh, how to use the framework, I want to point you to uh, two util classes that are uh, in my code core. So if you are using my code, you will have access to these two classes for sure. One of these classes is called a string utils, and the other one is called a collection utils. Um, so the string util class has, for example, things such as um, utilities to uh, I think uh, capitalize strings and uh, also like um, so check it out it has many 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 uh, it has for example a typical uh, so Agora uses a lot Groovy but for those who, is, who don't use Groovy and use Java uh, they don't enjoy the Groovy truth so sometimes they have to check that a string is not null and that it's not empty and there is like a, a method in a string utils calls uh, is empty uh, for strings, which will do essentially what the groovy truth will do. Uh, and we have another class called collections utils, uh, which if you have used in Java, for example, the collections dot singleton map, which takes only a key and a value in collections utils, uh, you have like um, it will take like an iterable, so similar to Kotlin map of. Or uh, in in Groovy when you have like a we use the the brackets so essentially like utility classes to create like sets and maps and things like that utility methods uh, I will include a link in the show notes to both uh, collection utils and string utils um, use them uh, because um, they are there so you don't have to write those uh, util methods and if you have any util methods that you think it should be there. PRs are welcome, uh, and uh, the whole uh, community can uh, benefit. Let me jump to the main section. And in the main section, so uh, Ben already talked a lot about how they are using. So are you using Micronaut? How are you deploying Micronaut applications? That's probably the question. Are you deploying to Elastic Beanstalk? Are you deploying to uh, an EC2 machine directly? Are you deploying to Lambda? Are you deploying to as a to Elastic Container Service or? Yeah, so, so, so what you like, we, we, we like with Micronaut, it's a very versatile framework and it allows you to, to work for many use cases. So we have, uh, depending on the use case, uh, we can deploy like more like fat, uh, fat uh, app, like small monolithic apps that will handle uh, many endpoints. Uh, so for that, we, we do deploy on Beanstalk most of the time. So for a main feature, when they have to provide API, we, we have a main app for them. Uh, we do also deploy like uh, fat lambda on serverless on AWS lambda, where we also can provide multiple uh, endpoints through uh, through AWS lambda. 
And we do also very, very narrow uh, scoped uh, functions uh, based on Micronaut uh, that, are, that are also deployed in LDB standard. It could be a consumer for SQSQ. It could be a synchronized producer. It could be uh, uh, many, many things. So depending on the use case, the team will choose where they want to to, to deploy the app, depending on the size uh, and, and the function of the app. But it's mostly Beanstalk uh, and, and AWS Nanda. That's nice. I am a big fan of uh, Beanstalk. Um, so I'm a big fan of just uh, pointing a Route 53 to Beanstalk and deploying there and load balancer for free. I mean, not for free. You have the load balancer already set up and uh, auto scaling are really nice. And really, really nice to hear that you are using both uh, HTTP triggers for Lambda and uh, so one of the things that I am always like uh, uh, trying to convey is uh, Lambda is much more than HTTP triggers. So using Lambda with API Gateway is great. It's a great feature, but uh, there are many use cases for using Lambda where you have different triggers, such as the one that you described, like uh, an SQS uh, topic or uh, an S3 upload or things like that. Yeah, Lambda are very great when you have to do uh, integration of uh, existing services. So when you, if you want to plug to SNS, if you want to plug to DynamoDB event, for example, uh, that's fantastic because in a few clicks, you, you will get the, the event and you just have to focus on, on, on the logic and, and not on the infrastructure side of it. So, what, what programming language are you using for developing in the backend? Java Groovy. Java and Groovy? Java Groovy. And on uh, the data, they use a little bit of Python, but uh, it's only on the data team. But on, for, for the development, it's, it's only uh, Java and Groovy. It was very, very, very Groovy at the beginning, but the more people we get, the more we get Javaists that like Java very much. So we are in the middle. Uh, some are in very Groovy, some are very Java, depending on the team. Are you using a Spock for testing or are you using JUnit? Or... Yeah, only Spock. Yeah, only Spock, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good combination. I think Java and Graph for the main class path and Groovy Spock for the test class path. I think that's a really nice combo. So I would like to uh, talk about um, some of the libraries that you um, have released, some of the micro libraries, uh, and hopefully uh, we I can work with you to uh, have them uh, published in micro launch so that any anyone who wants to like use them can have like an easy path to uh, see the dependency and add them to their applications. Uh, the first one that I would like to start is, so what's recurrently? That's probably a question for you, Ben, because I think that probably is like a, a big part of the money machine there in Atagora. What do you mean recurrently? No, what are you talking about? Yeah, recurrently, so, yeah. So yes, recurrently was our subscription system until uh, until now, because we are right now in the middle of, of uh, immigration to charge B. So we will uh, provide many, uh, maybe a, a charge B library soon. But since, yeah, for the last seven, eight years, recurrently was our main subscription system. So uh, I think in the beginning, we were using an existing uh, uh, plugin that we found on recurrently. And then uh, since it was not maintained, we, we, we took the maintenance uh, uh, at our on our repo. Uh, and yeah, recurrently is, is at the heart of it because it's most distinct is you have to connect on their webhook so that you can have a real time uh, management of, of the subscription and uh, yeah webhook is the main, main topic of the of the plugin of the library for for users using the plug so the idea is that uh, regularly published uh, uh, and this is a topic that I see in many and I do many of these libraries myself is 
Uh, some of these big third-party services, they since Java is so popular, they often publish a Java library. And what you have done for Recordly is, so you have created a, a factory and some configuration, which allows users to essentially, many of these services, they often have like an API key, right? So you have configuration to provide that API key, and then you have a factory which um, essentially registers the main class of these Java API clients that they provide as a bin in the MyCode context so that any consumers of the library can inject that class. I think that's a pattern that, that we will see a lot, and I think that's great. I think that you uh, took the time to create the library and open source. That's uh, uh, fantastic. Uh, then you have another service which intrigued me, which is um, MyCode Snitch. Uh, I checked the documentation, and there is the... What's this dead man switch? <laughs> Vladimir, can you talk me what? What is this thing and what are you using this thing for? Well, this is the thing you can use if you want to uh, check that your cron jobs are running. Uh, so you have a cron job which is running every hour. And if it's not if, if it's not running, it will trigger some notification from from the dead snitch dead man snitch service. So you go to the so if I understood correctly, you go to this dead Mansnitch service uh, and you create like a, you create an expectation right you say like uh, I expect to get a pink every hour exactly and then you go to then you go to your code and you are like a, you in the library you created an annotation so it's really nice so you you, you annotate a method with at snitch so he they are leveraging the mic around advice and you are essentially when the method executes which is when you're cron job executes you ping that service so if something wrong happened right you, you don't ping the service and then the expectation fail on the other service and they notify you is that the exactly exactly so if the service doesn't listen or doesn't get any ping it will send you some email or just publish a slack message and you know that the cron job is not running for some reason. That's cool. Hey, it's really when we, we found this service, it, it was like a, a life saver for us because we, you can find a lot of monitoring service to check that you're up, you are up that you've got response time on your API. But for jobs and for workers, there was not so many monitoring tool. And this one is very basic, very simple, but it works very well. And we have been using it for, for years now. Yeah, I... I I didn't know about this tool, but when I I checked your library and I checked the service, it made complete sense to me, and I understood the use case completely because um, I know that for many clients we have like uh, they have like dashboards to see that the jobs are scheduled and when was the last one run. But the problem about dashboard is that you have to log in and and check the dashboard to see if the thing was actually running right. So. I understand that what you want is you don't want someone to be like all the time looking at the dashboard. You want just to be notified when something wrong happens, right? Which, uh, yeah, I think it's, it makes uh, a lot of sense. Then I saw this other utility. What is micro rethrow? Anyone? Is it Simon or Vladimir? Yeah, so this is pretty similar. So we are using Sentry for looking errors. And the problem is that if the error is not locked from Lambda. Give me a second, Vladimir. So uh, let, let me let go back to that. But uh, you said you are using Sentry for, uh, this is like a service for centralized 
logging management, right? Yes, especially if you have some errors or bugs in your code, they're just going to not into just logs, but also to Sentry. And you can see, you know, where the bugs are happening and you also get notifications. How, how complicated is for a user to use a Sentry in their Micronet application? What this does involve? It basically just means setting up an account and getting some credentials. And they have uh, adapters for various uh, log services like Log4j, Logback, Log4j, and simple Logging4j. So basically, you just configure the logger, and it will publish the bugs or errors into into Sentry directly. So it's adding, if I understood correctly, is once you have the Sentry account configured, you in a Micronet application, which by default it uses a Logback. Uh, you will add a dependency, which will be the uh, assume it has the, like, the adapter from the, the Sentry logback adapter, which essentially will will you use the same configuration, so the same logback.xml file, or do you have to change that? So there is also micro now log for AWS. Basically, just you replace this uh, for logback, so you remove logback from your Lambda functions, for example, and use this micro now log for AWS. And there is a sample configuration you can just copy paste, and it's just going to log directly to to center for you. So you are not using CloudWatch for your logs? No, uh, just for mm. just for verification. For example, if there are some traces or debug prints, then we use it. But the, the bugs are locked into Sentry. So let's rewind the tape and let's go back to uh, once um, because I am really interested in because um, that's a topic that we. We don't have any guide material about centralized logging. And I know that people in, in their real lives, they most of companies such as yours, uh, they use centralized logging. So I have heard like from I have heard about Sentry and there are like a couple of other centralized logging solutions and I am always interested in what people are using and uh, if they are finding any difficulties integrating into their micro applications. You have uh, you created this library called Rethrow and how, how does it fit into the uh, Sentry uh, story? Uh, so the point is, if there is an exception thrown in the Lambda code, so this was mainly for the Lambda code, uh, it's get logs into the CloudWatch. But it won't be logged into the uh, logging system, such as Log4j, Logback, or whatever you are using. So uh, this annotation, if you annotate a service, it's going to log the error into the your provider, logback, log4j, or anything else. And then it's going to either throw it again or just handle it a different way. And the point is that when you log it with the provider you choose, it's also going to log into Sentry, into the other, other providers you are using for the central logging. So it's not only in CloudWatch, but it's also in Sentry or any other provider. So I thought that you were using it to map an exception to another one, but you are using it more for like kind of also for that, but also like for 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 logging to to a third party. Yes. So exactly. like in the moment you see the exception, and where are you like when are where are you using this annotation in the Lambda functions? Are you annotating the handler method with? Uh, no, because the handler basically there is no way how to use AOP with the handler. Correct, because because the handler is uh, yes is instantiated by uh, Amazon. It's instantiated. 
it's a sensitive Amazon and we do the so we do like that's for anyone using to the podcast in when you have a class so if you see like a handler not just for AWS Lambda but for GCP or Azure or all of these functions uh, it's not the mic Micronaut framework who instantiates that class is the cloud provider instantiate that class and what we do is we, do, we call a, a, so we start the application context in the constructor of the handler and then we call a dot inject this what that means is that we wire the injection in that class but you cannot have like AOP uh, in the methods of that class so that's why the at inject injection works in a handler but that constructor injection doesn't work in a handler yes so there is basically the pattern to keep the handler as uh, thin as possible so it's basically just converting the incoming event and there is the main service handling the logic of the function so it's then in the main services where you will apply the, re the rethrow annotation yes exactly then you have uh, another one which is uh, so I have not used, but I have seen Segment and I have only here uh, good things about Segment. And I saw actually that uh, Twilio bought the company like a year ago, something like that, or maybe two years ago. And and so how, how do you use Segment and what does the MyCode Segment uh, Agora Pools uh, library provides? Yes, the segment is, uh, if I take the, the philosophical aspect of it, you know, there is always a dilemma when you build your stack stack on a startup, is should you buy or should you make? So if it's related to our Agorapple's business, like social media, we make, we, we want total control of all everything. For the frameworks we use, so we use Angular, we use Micronote, and we build on top of those open source framework and we contribute back for, for that. And then for everything else, uh, infra, security, monitoring, data, we, we prefer to buy of the share solution so that we, we can focus on, on, on delivering value to our customers. And Segment is a very good example of that because you can build a full data stack, uh, data lake, uh, uh, ETL, everything on based on open source solution. But it takes a lot of resources, it takes a lot of times. And with Segment, you get all of that as a SaaS service. Uh, they provide you a library depending on your stack. So they have a very good Java SDK. And then you instrument your code with events, with tracking, business events. You send this to, to, to Segment API and then they will redispatch this to all the integration that you want. So it could be uh, an integration to your uh, support ticketing system like uh, Intercom or, or Zendesk. It could be sent also to uh, your own data warehouse. Uh, so you have multiple sources. You send all the data to segment and then they will dispatch it. And all the logic is very well uh, organized. They have a very good uh, UI as well. So it, it, it allows you to uh, delegate all your data lake to, to segment. And for the little story, the good thing with that is that when we, we plug our data warehouse like uh, two years ago, uh, we were using segment for several years. And we, we got three years of uh, history of all data that we already sent to them because they, ke they kept it on Internet Lake. So it's very good for, for the data teams so they can they can focus again on, on adding value to, to the other teams and to do analysis. And all the infrastructure is handled by Segment. And Segment is like all the other uh, library we, we mostly uh, provide for Micronauts. They are wrapper. 
uh, around the service to ease the developer experience for our teams. And, and segment is exactly that. So to ease the configuration and ease the usage of, uh, of the integration. For the integration of all the services you use, you know, nowadays you use a lot of SaaS service all over the place. You have one SaaS service for, uh, for support. For example, you, you, you use Intercom. Then the sales and the marketing, they will use HubSpot for all the sales related stuff. And, and, and when you do, uh, um, instrument your code with business event, for example, uh, this user has signed up. Then he has subscribed. So we are going to attach a plan with a value to his plan and, we send this to segment once and then it is, is redispatched on all the other APIs that you have plugged in. So it will go to HubSpot, it will go to Intercom and you won't have to do all the integration of all the API of the third party you use. So you instrument once and that's all. And then segment is doing all the rest of the integration for you. So it's a big life uh, saver it's, uh, yeah. in terms of productivity. Yeah. I use a sign up and you may create like a recordly entry or something like that. Yes, yes. Uh, and uh, for like kind of the monitoring and do you use New Relic? Yes. So you, you are talking about log, log, log aggregation. So yeah, you have, the two main big systems are Datadog and New Relic that we, you, you face. So we use New Relic since day one as well. New Relic starts as an application monitoring uh, uh, system and then they grew up to do some like log aggregation uh, error system. But we, we, we use many New Relic for, for application performance monitoring. Uh, we do have also alerts. Uh, so they have a, a service called Synthetics that allow you to ping all of your API all over the, the world uh, to see if you're up uh, and have a good latency. Uh, and we use it also to create dashboards. They have a very good uh, dashboard system. So you can send some custom events to New Relic. Uh, they could be business events, but they could be also uh, technical events. And then on top of that, you can build your dashboards and you can build alerts. So for example, you can have a very business-related alerts. Uh, if uh, the, the system detects that we don't publish for the last uh, 15 minutes to, to, to Facebook, then you, you, you will have an alert from your Linux. So it's, it's good for monitoring your technical infrastructure, but also to monitoring your business more uh, related events. I, I think I used back then your, uh, so you open sourced a Rails New Relic plugin. And if I remember correctly, uh, so New Relic keeps track of of the HTTP, so when your API is like responding a non-happy HTTP status code, so if your API like throwing like 500s or 400 error codes and things like that, uh, are you using that? And if yes, what do you have? So what does does the uh, how does it work with microcontrollers? And is your library the one that essentially connects both worlds and, and frees the user of like writing microcontrollers and not caring about doing anything? And the library is the one that essentially takes care of uh, reporting those failures to New Relic, or how does it work? So I will let Vlad or Shimon answer on this one, but uh, just to, to, to give us a big overview is that you plug an agent, a JAR agent, when you start uh, your, your application. And it's quite magical because once you do that, uh, it's going to be able to, to run inside your app and to analyze everything which is happening in your app. And on top of that, it will give you a lot of performance data. So it could be uh, at the control endpoint, but also it will analyze also the SQL. Uh, also, the DynamoDB, for example, it will give you the performance of your app uh, and all the calls you are making to DynamoDB or to uh, RDS. Uh, so it opens uh, the black box of performance and it allows you to dig when you have an issue and to analyze uh, what's what's uh, what's going on uh, over there. So in terms of micro yeah, I had it better, Shimon. Yeah, so this is a big 
this is quite an issue with uh, Neuralic and uh, Micronaut because it's still reporting as a netty event loop. So if you call a controller, you just see some uh, netty, netty stuff happening in there. So there is a part of the Micronaut uh, Neuralic HTTP library which can help you but you still have to combine this with some uh, Neuralic annotation like trace annotations. So if actually you can help us to make Micronaut and Neuralic work better together, <laughs> you will have a better voice than us. So it's, it's halfway there. So we can get the controller information, but it's now looking as a custom event. So we mainly use it for the custom events to, for example, see how long does some processes take. And then also for the application monitoring, as Ben, ben mentioned. So, for example, what the SQL, uh, SQL executions takes, takes long or something like that. Yeah, that's true. Because, yeah, I, I remember the, the, the persistent part of Neuralic was really interesting as well. Um, yeah, happy to, happy to help if I can. Um, so I, I have not used Neuralic in a while, but when I used it, it was really a really nice tool. Uh, and I know many companies uh, use it uh, a lot. Um, so are you using Neuralic also like for tracing? Is that correct? So when you call like a service to another service, is that, are you using any... So if I understood your architecture correctly, you have some parts that are, uh, it's not microservice, but you have like parts that are uh, different teams which have different uh, services, which are APIs, right? And this API may call another of your APIs. Are you like tracing the, so are you using anything like Jagger or Zipkin or or New Relic to trace? And, or uh, are you using like uh, a log correlation ID? for a century or uh, not yet we we don't have a, a big chain of micro microservices right now uh, they are very single purpose and, and usually uh, we don't have to trace a request from the client up to a lot of uh, services until now we try to keep it as much simple as possible so i know that new edit does that uh, distributed tracing but we never use it yeah i think if you manage to uh, have to do like a lot of uh, tracing i think that's for the best i think that's probably uh, make you more productive because I think uh, tracing has uh, <laughs> uh, its sets of problems as well. So I think that's that's completely uh, a good decision on your side. Um, then, of course, you are social media uh, in the social media space. Uh, so you integrate with uh, Facebook SDK. And what's the story there? Because uh, does Facebook provide a Java? Uh, I guess they provide an official Java client or they don't? No, they don't. They don't? Yeah. <laughs> we have been using our wow. SAP most of the time. So our, our plugin library are mostly wrapper around the REST uh, Same for Twitter. Twitter, we, we were using Twitter 4G uh, as well. as a Java, Java library. But they are, they are open source uh, library. That... Yeah, Twitter 4G is like third-party client, right? It's yeah. just one guy providing the, the, the library. Yeah, amazing that these companies don't provide an official Java client. Uh, uh, so if you are like using Micronaut and Facebook, uh, what does the Micronaut Facebook uh, Agora library do for you? The Grace plugin was more elaborated because it was also integrating the, the Facebook GS SDK. On the Micronaut, we only focused on, on the backend side. So it's mostly a, a wrapper. Uh, I think it's still around the rest of the event. Yes, it is. So it basically pre 
Curd uh, REST FB uh, client for you, and it allows you to have uh, multiple multiple clients or called the uh, uh, Facebook API uh, as your as a user with the tokens, and it's more or less. Plus the testing utility, uh, we have this Facebook SDK mock server where whenever you integrate your backend application with Facebook, you can easily mock Facebook REST API calls just to make your unit testing much smoother. What are you using? Because I, I, I what are you using to test the web server expectations? Because I saw in some of your libraries that you were using AirSats. Are you using AirSats or are you using just Micronaut um, HTTP server on the test class path? Uh, no, we are using AirSats whenever we want to have some more REST API, either internal or Facebook or something like that. So it just serves the uh, Facebook responses downloaded before. We store it in the test resources and serve it from, from AirSats. Yeah. So for those who are new to AirSats, it's just, I think it's an undertow server, right? Yes. So what it starts. So it starts. So the, the idea is that um, you want to, uh, you are working in your Micronet application and uh, you have a service that does a call to another REST service. Let's call this the Facebook JSON API. And you want your, te you want you to test how your application behaves is the Facebook API response, whatever, right? And what you do in your test is that you create this AirSat server, which essentially is starting a server for your test. And you say, like, uh, when you invoke me in this path, I'm going to respond this JSON. And you can create, like, expectations. So you can say, like, I expect that I will be called twice or only once. And essentially, you can, like, <clears throat> typically, what this means is that you have to have a way of changing the URL of your external service programmatically and essentially pointing just in the test to this mock server. So it's kind of a mocking server solution, we can say, I guess. You say that's more or less, right? Yes. That's like, a, uh, I probably did a, a terrible job describing AirSats, but I will include a link in the show notes. Uh, I, have, I personally don't use AirSats anymore. And maybe it's because I am biased and I use Micronaut for everything. But I use Micronaut. Uh, I run a lot of times uh, an additional Micronaut uh, HTTP server on the test class path. And I serve the responses from there. And we have a couple of really, if you are like interested in seeing this in action, if you go to the uh, Micronaut security project, Uh, we have a couple of uh, tests where we start up to like four uh, Netty servers on a single test to like test like uh, I wrote a test, for example, uh, the last test that I wrote was like uh, we wanted to behave how a micro application be was behaving with uh, four remote authorization servers with different uh, JSON web key set endpoints. And we had a, a user which uh, reported an issue where he was seeing like a lot of. Uh, so the way we were like refreshing the keys was not the most performant way uh, ever. Uh, and uh, we created a test and we were able like to uh, test it that way. So AirSats um, is cool. Uh, so I'm I'm not criticizing the library by any means. And they have like out of the box like 
uh, a DSL for like um, for like uh, defining expectations, something that we don't have uh, with the approach that we do in, in using MyCode. But uh, if you just want to like start a, a mock server, that's really easy with MyCode and. And that's something that I will cover on my testing tips and tricks. So this is a shameless plug for my testing tips and tricks uh, workshop on January. But yeah, absolutely. Ersatz is, is, is great. Um, it's worth saying that Ersatz is just uh, maybe more human-friendly alternative for Wiremock. Anyone who worked with Wiremock knows how. Maybe not diff- very diff- it's not very difficult, but it always uh, you always go to documentation, you always uh, copy-paste some recipes how to set up Wiremock correctly to serve the uh, HTTP response you expect with ersatz with its DSL. It's very, very simple, and using Undertow doesn't cost that much if it comes to test performance. Yeah, it, it's really nice. So, the, again, the I think the DSL is, is really easy to read the test that uses ersatz because you see clearly what the what is actually under test and what the expectations are. Um, so we cover several um, of uh, the Agora Micron libraries. Um, and I, I would like to put these libraries into the business-oriented uh, libraries. So libraries that you use when you are like using all these uh, third-party services that uh, software-as-a-service uh, companies such as Agora uh, may use. Uh, you have also... Um, some uh, libraries which are uh, what I call more operational libraries um, and uh, I, I don't know, maybe worker you don't consider operational library, what is the uh, work library do uh, and yeah, what does uh, micro worker do and I will, I have some questions for you after <laughs> you explain what it does Okay, so the work library is like the scheduled annotation on steroids so mm-hmm. it has a single-purpose annotations like a fixed trade and other stuff, so you don't have to put everything in the scheduled one. Uh, but the value added is it supports some queues, so you can uh, queue in one job and consume in another, so which is pretty common for, for our use cases. And that's that's basically the main, main reason. So it's like the schedulers, uh, scheduled annotation with uh, consumers, producers, and the queues. So in MyCode, we have the at the scheduled annotation for anyone who is uh, new to MyCode, which essentially you will use when you need, like, I need this thing to run every day at four o'clock in the morning. You add notate with at the scheduled. Uh, and um, what you did is uh, you created, are you using at all the function? So are you like, are these new annotations, uh, are they alias to the other schedule annotation or are they like, oh, is completely new logic? So are you using the other schedule logic at all? Or uh, I've borrowed some logic, but I'm not using it scheduled at all. So Got you. basically the point is to have some kind of distributed jobs. So you can create the produce some content or some events on one server and then consume them in another one. But it's totally clear from the user perspective, from the developer perspective. So is the idea that uh, at 4 o'clock you publish something to a simple queue, to simple queue service via one of these uh, methods annotated with one of these yes. annotations so provided the by the worker library? Yes, it's, 
you don't need to have SQS or anything else just to get started, but there is the SQL ad Q adapter, or how to call it. Yes, so for example, you have a you have a job at four in the morning to which will collect our emails to send some newsletter. So you will produce the list of newsletters. And then you have the consumer job, which is also annotated to run, I don't know, every hour or whatever. And it will consume in a different server. It will just get the emails from the queue and send the email itself. Initially, the, it was it was a Grails plugin and, and it was using Quartz under, under the hood. Quartz jobs. If you are, uh, especially, I guess, if you are in the AWS infrastructure and uh, the at the schedule is not like powerful enough, check the Micronaut Worker Library. Um, you have two other libraries which are really intriguing to me. Um, one is Console, uh, which I think if uh, anyone listening has used Grace, it will bring some fun memories to them. Uh, what is the Micronaut Console Library? So it allows you to run an arbitrary code in the, in the context of the application. So it was based on the Grails console, where you basically can written in a text editor and a script to execute in your Grails application. And this can do the same for Micronaut. It doesn't have any UI, so you can run it from, uh, from the command line or from your IDE and execute it on the remote server. So there are some support for Micronaut security. So, of course, you want this kind of powerful endpoint to be secured. So you can just uh, basically get some authentication tokens from your application and then execute the script on the if you want. And there's also IP, IP filtering or user filtering or, you know, the security is based for this one. It, it's very important because you don't want to let anyone to, to execute an arbitrary code. In your, in your application. But it's kind of like a keyhole surgery if you want to do some migration scripts or something like that. Exactly. So what I was thinking is this is kind of what's the use case for this is like, so in Grails, I, I think there were always like two use cases. One was like, um, which I don't think really applies now, but sometimes running a Grails application was slow. So the console plugin allowed you like to, if you wanted to test something, right? Uh, you could like just ram some code and, and actually test that the code behaved as you expect it to behave uh, before actually like uh, adding it or something like that. And the second use case, uh, and I think that's probably if I understood what you told me correctly, is uh, if you need to do like a hotfix in production and you didn't want to like redeploy and maybe the hotfix what um, involved was like uh, maybe like... Uh, doing some data manipulation. Uh, so you need to fix something like involved, like, I don't know, it was not just like uh, running a query, but maybe it was like uh, calling a couple of services, getting some data from the database, manipulating it a little bit and saving it again. Uh, that was a, a use case that the console plugin was often used. And I think it could apply as well for Micronaut applications, right? Yes, you are correct. It's basically, as you said, it's some um, advanced data manipulation very often. Like if it's something which couldn't be done by the SQL script or something like that, or for DynamoDB entities. And the other one is also correct. So if you want to, 
uh, tells why is something failing. For example, you have some issue, you want to debug it, either locally or remotely, then you can just run a very small piece of code, which is broken somehow, and be more able to inspect the results, or even debug it locally, attach the debugger and see it, see what's happening in the, in the application. And I would say that uh, there is a third third uh, use case is either to inspect the configuration. So if the configuration is set properly for all the sources, you know, there might be multiple sources like environment variable or system properties or whatever. And the other one is to check the presence of the beans. So sometimes the bean should be there, but it's not there. And you want to test, test this use case. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense completely. The last library that I want to talk, and this I promise will be the last, uh, is uh, Pierrot. Or how do you pronounce it? Because this is a French word, right? <laughs> well, that's French. probably a question for you, Bear. I think Shimon will, uh, can say it very well because <laughs> he's practicing his French. <laughs> but it's Pierrot, Pierrot, Pierrot. Yeah, Pierrot, Pierrot, Pierrot in French. Yeah. I was trying to find some better name, but no one, no one gave me some better name for this one. <laughs> So, um, what's the high-level pitch of this library? And these are really different library from the other ones. Ah, uh, yeah. So it, this is not a library; it's a CLI application made in Micronaut, compiled with Graal VM. And so, me, Shimon, and Ben is a, is a lead of the developer experience team. So we have to somehow manage uh, not just one repository but tens of repositories. And for example, if you want to, let's say I want to upgrade Micronaut. So I would want it to have some simple command just to run and replace the Micronaut version equals the version in the Gradle properties files. So I can now do it with one call to this command and it will do it to every repository the particle GitHub token has access. And it will open PRs and it will create the project in GitHub, kind of a dashboard. And then you just go and see, okay, it's uh, okay for this project, but this repository needs more attention because it broke breaks the continuous integration, well, GitHub Actions usually. And then you are able to migrate tens of repositories at once. So typical example I've uh, described in the post on Medium was to upgrade test containers. So I wanted to upgrade test containers in every repository we are having in Agrapools. And I just issued this particular command and just fixed the places where there are some other problems. Yeah. So that's uh, this is a tool that uh, <laughs> seems really interesting for, for us, for, for micro core developers, because uh, my code GitHub organization has like around 40 modules. Um, and we used to have a GitHub uh, MyCode Guides organization which has like 100 projects, uh, which we have now uh, archived and we have like all the guides in a single project. But we have this problem at all, which is uh, many... Uh, and we are trying to automate as much as we can because we are a small team. And this is a problem. So multi-repos, uh, maintenance. Um, we use Dependabot a lot. But still, sometimes you have to do like PRs manually that Dependabot cannot do it for you because they may involve, I don't know, like we are, for example, updating our builds and this requires like changing the settings.gradle file. So we are using Gradle to build micro modules. 
yeah, sometimes things cannot be like automatically dependable and you need something like this. So this is a tool that, uh, at least for me, is really, really interesting and I will check it out for sure. Uh, and I encourage anyone that um, uh, manages uh, multiple uh, repositories to check it out because I strongly believe that. So one of the things that I, uh, and maybe it's because now I'm working open source, but it's really important for companies to keep up to date with the latest versions of the frameworks because often the whole resources of development in the frameworks are only like put into the into the latest versions. So we have a, a, an episode in MyCode where we talk about um, the MyCode release strategy. It's episode two and the branching. But if... So I'm not saying like every company has to be on the very late, latest version of Micronaut. But uh, if you uh, make a, a routine in your company to like upgrade to the, I don't know, maybe not the latest, latest, but the previous mine or something like that, uh, the migration path will be much simpler for you. Uh, and I think this will save you money on the on the long I'm uh, not on the long term. I, I think it will save you money on the short term, to be honest, because I think that, uh, yeah, you will not be stuck in all versions. So any tool that can help uh, companies to like do migration faster. And I really like the approach that you took that you are like creating PRs. Uh, so that will give confidence to people that it's not like this is like doing changes like crazy and you have no control about it. It's like you create a PR and then if you don't like or, or as you said, the CIL fails, you cannot like accept the changes. Uh, so that will be Pierrot. I will click a link in the show notes because my French is not really uh, uh, up game. But I think we covered a lot of ground. We covered a lot of libraries. I don't want to like, cover more libraries today. As you see, Agora rocks and they have a lot of micro uh, open source libraries. I'm going to jump to the last two sections of the podcast. The first one is thanking our sponsors. This episode was brought to you thanks to the MyCode Foundation. Many thanks to our corporate sponsors, our master sponsor, Object Computing, and our two bronze sponsors, Safri.net and Visor Games. Also, many, many thanks to our community sponsors, uh, those individuals who support the framework via donations. Individuals such as uh, Corbinian Balg, uh, Gis Loisnik, uh, Lucas Morachev, Jim Weiss, Jeff Scott Brown, Danilo Marquez, Edgar Riz Navarro, Goran Erickson, Andrew McKee, Balasub Ramanian, Rengasami, Philip Eisenbach, Hassam Muhoudini, and Jason Silder. Many thanks to all of you. And if you are interested in supporting the framework, visit slash foundation. We are going to wrap the podcast for today. Uh, I would like to thank uh, Ben, Vladimir, and Simon for being in the podcast. I promise that I will make Simon talk talk more the next time he's on the show because he was quite quiet today uh, and uh, I would like to thank you really guys for your contributing your contributions to uh, both Grace and Micronaut uh, and this uh, goes especially to you Ben thanks a lot for uh, putting uh, the resources of your company to make these uh, open source libraries we have not uh, done a great job on uh, promoting uh, your libraries and I want to rectify that and uh, make the libraries more visible uh, because they rock so uh, thanks uh, to the three of you and um, if you want to uh, say anything before we wrap it up this is the moment well, thank you thank you uh, to the team as well to the Micronaut team and the Greg team as well uh, we are uh, just uh, on the Paris uh, and France side maybe we'll also try to be a little bit more vocal uh, and to organize a meetup around Micronaut uh, in Paris as well so we will let you know uh, we, we are going to work with uh, the Jug uh, in Paris to, 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 to organize this 
yeah, if you need uh, any uh, remote speaker, happy to help. Uh, if you ever need a remote speaker, uh, and when the COVID situation uh, clears out, I think my wife will be happy to uh, have an excuse to travel to Paris. Uh, so that will be always that will be always uh, a good possibility. And uh, yeah, thanks everyone for listening to the show. We see each other in two weeks, uh, and thanks for using Micro. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.